Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. Before Jesus, my life was rough for the most part. My mom, she sheltered us from like religion, not because she didn't like it. She just felt that when you're young, you shouldn't believe in something just because like the masses believe in it. And she also didn't want us to, because she didn't want us to commit to anything that we didn't know that we were committing to. She wanted us to mature before we actually made decisions. I was always interested because like I, I figured how can, how can not one, but like millions of people believe in something they can't like, they can't see, they can't, as an atheist mindset, they can't see, feel, hear, or even touch. I thought that was crazy. So any chance I got, I really wanted to like, I wanted to ask my friends. But you could say the turning point for when I started to really not believe in Jesus, but kind of follow him and like kind of get a feel for it um, was red. And because, well, I heard that it was a trip that where everyone just had fun. They went to the lake. And I thought to myself, well, I've hanged out with enough Christian people to know how to kind of play the part. So I can, I can fake it. Yeah, it won't be that bad. So I did. And I went there and I had fun. Everyone loved me. And I was like, yeah, but it, it felt a little two-faced. So after, of course, I felt bad. That's not fair to them that I just go on a trip when I maybe didn't even deserve to be there. But at the end of the day, I think I did because that's what really started making me want to follow Jesus. Like I just suddenly found that I liked it. I liked youth group. I could hang out with my friends and worship and it wasn't that bad. And then that's when I heard about the trip that goes to Mexico. That's just when it all like kind of turned on for me because the whole time I was kind of, I was doing it kind of halfway a little. Like I had one foot in the water and I had one foot out. That's gotta be when God just kind of told me like, enough, this is when you, this is the trip where you're gonna have to decide if you wanna follow me or not. We were worshiping right there in Mexico, Tijuana, and then all of a sudden, like, everything just started to spin. And like, I was, it wasn't, <laughs> I'd never experienced something like that. So I thought to myself, okay, maybe, maybe I didn't drink enough water. Maybe I didn't eat enough. Maybe I worked too hard, I don't, I don't know. And then something just kind of begged the question, like, is, is this you, Jesus? I kind of just told myself, I was like, if this is you, God, then just kind of stop, stop the spinning and then start again, because it wasn't so bad. And sure enough, for at least five minutes, it stopped. And then all of a sudden it started spinning again and then for the rest of the worship. And it wasn't bad at all. I loved it. It was like, I don't know, it was an experience. That was really just the turning point where I was just like, I'm in all the way, I wanna, I wanna get baptized. Ever since I got baptized, it's like everything I've ever done or like had happened to me kind of, I saw everything in a new light. You can look back and there's definitely where it's, it's not just coincidence. It has to be, it can't be chance. And that's just what it feels like. When I serve people, I feel close to God because it feels like I'm showing them that God is good, that just because you don't have a house doesn't mean you don't deserve a house, like in Mexico, or 
just because people have cut you off or not shown you love, it doesn't mean that you don't deserve love or anything like that just because of the mistakes you've made. A big part of that is just like God, how he's so forgiving. And it shows that he's, um, he's there for you, even when you don't expect him to be. So if you're hearing my story and you don't, you don't know who God is yet, then, um, well, I encourage you to, maybe if you're not ready to put your faith in God yet, put your faith in the community around you. Even though I was too afraid to ask, they would always ask me like what I thought about God. And they actually gave me the time of day to listen to what I had to say. And in return, I would listen to them. It just resulted in me kind of just being interested. And from there on, I found God. It was, it was wonderful. Have you guys liked hearing these stories these last couple weeks? They're good, right? Uh, here at Sam Lions Church, we love to get to hear each other's stories, and so you'll continue to hear these. Next week is Vision 360 weekend, and so it means you get to hear lots of stories of the way that God's at work around this place, and it's baptism weekend, so lots of more stories about keep people coming to know Jesus and how he met them, so come back next week, you'll get to see that. Um, so today we're finishing that series, The E-Word. Steve's led us in that conversation as the first week he reminded us that we as Christ followers are God's plan A. For some reason, in his infinite wisdom and design, he said, I want to be in a relationship with people, and as people come to know me, they're also going to join me in the work of helping other people know who I am, and so we get to be that. And last week, he reminded us that we get to be salt and light and fertilizer. <laughs> right? No, we're supposed to be living our lives in such close proximity to Jesus that people look at the way we live our lives, and they're like, wow, what is it that makes them that way? So we get opportunities to share in how we live. And that's what we're going to lean in this morning. What does that look like for us in our lives and the way that we do things and the people that we get to encounter? How is Jesus working in us and through us to draw people to himself? And the verse that we're going to use kind of as our foundation for all of that is found in the book of Ephesians. So if you want to turn there, we're going to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And if you have a church Bible with you, you're going to page 978. Flip, 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 flip. Okay, 978. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 10. Here we go. For we are God's masterpiece. I'm going to stop there for one second. We are God's masterpiece. Oh, I'm so glad you're excited. I'm glad you feel that way every day. I don't. Right? I, mean, I don't know, but maybe you look in the mirror in the morning when you're getting ready and you're like, I am God's masterpiece. For those of you who can, I'm so excited and I want to be you. But I don't always wake up every morning thinking that. Or I don't always feel that when I'm with a friend who's starting to ask me questions about Jesus and I'm like, is this the time? Is this not the time? I don't know if he's equipped me or prepared me for this. And there's times that I feel like that. No, we are God's masterpiece. That means when he had the thought of you, that means when he created you, that means before you were born, he said, here's the trait I want to give you. Here's the character traits I want you to have. Here's the idiosyncrasies I want you to have. Here's the things I want people to know about how you're wired that make you, you. He does that in lots of different ways. And the way that he has designed you is important. Because he wants you to know that he put it there for a reason and for a purpose. Why? Because when we look in here, it says, for we are God's masterpiece, and he created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. 
That means those things that he's wired within us are the very things that he's saying, you know the thing that you think is kind of quirky? I actually put it there for a reason. You know that reason that you're funny? You know that reason that you can engage in conversation with anybody? You know that behind the scenes way that you have to just go and jump in when something needs to be done? I put that there for a reason. You are each uniquely wired in a way that God intends to use to bring other people to himself. Let me paint a picture like this. You're like, Misha, I don't quite get it. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine yourself sitting at this beautiful table. And I want you to imagine the most amazing dish of pasta you've ever seen being placed on the table before you. You can see all the ingredients in it. You can see all that's been made up of it. And some of you are starting to drool. And you're picking up your fork to take that bite. And then I say, wake up. Right? Now, if I asked you what kind of pasta you saw, you would see lots of different things, wouldn't you? Some of you saw like a macaroni noodle or a bow tie or a rotini or a rigatoni. Or some of you just saw spaghetti. Right? It's a classic. You say pasta, they think spaghetti. And maybe it had meatballs on it, maybe it didn't, but it probably had a rich marinara sauce. And if Steve Fowler was standing up here, he would have said lasagna, because that's the master. Oh, look at the lasagna lovers in the room. I hear you. Right? Some of you might have said lasagna, but you're like, I pictured lasagna, but it doesn't look like this. My lasagna has lots of vegetables and lots of white sauce in it. Each and every one of us picture different kinds of lasagna, and right now you're all putting online orders on Olive Garden to go after lunch, aren't you? <laughs> hold tight, hold tight. Um, God's wired each of us in different ways. He has said, I have created you unique. Just like there's so many different ways that there are pasta, right? They all have noodles. They all have some sort of sauce. They all have some sort of cheese or garnish or something like that. There's all those different things, and they're there for a purpose. And it, with evangelism, we start thinking about it. The noodles, sauce, garnish, that is the truth about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. But the ways that we share that are vast and different. Just like all of our different tastes, God has created each and every one of you different so that you can share Jesus with the people around you in a different way. But even knowing that it's God's masterpiece, that he's designed us to be like that, that he's designed us all different, I think there's lots of points where we're just like, I still don't feel like I know enough. I feel like I don't have the right words. I don't feel like I'm qualified. I don't feel like I'm equipped. And I love this quote from the book Out of the Salt Shaker by Becky Pippert. She says this. She says, our problem in evangelism is not that we don't have enough information. It's that we don't know how to be ourselves. We forget that we are called to be witnesses to what we have seen and know and not to what we don't know. The key on our part is authenticity and obedience, not a doctorate in theology. We haven't grasped what it is, that it is really okay for us to be who we are when we're with people who are seekers, even if we don't have all the answers to their questions or if our knowledge of scripture is limited. Have you felt like that? Like, I don't, I don't know. And yet God's saying to each and every one of us that he has put things inside of us for a reason, for a purpose. So that when you're sitting with someone else and being you, that you get to reflect Jesus to them and it draws them to it. So here's what we're gonna do this morning. When you look at all these different things, and I've read and I've studied about this, there's basically six different styles or ways. And within each of these six, there's tons of ways these unpack. But I want to walk through these six different evangelism styles, and I want you to think about what was true in your story, but also how are you wired? 
How is God preparing you? How has God equipped you? What are the things that God has put into you that are just who you are that he would want you to use and be able to share other people with him? So here's the first one. Interpersonal. People who are interpersonal are people who love to be in deep relationship with people. You get around people and you sit and you get face to face and you lean in. You ask the questions about what's going on in their life. You want to know the good, the bad, and the hard, and you want to just sit with them in it. Okay, I just say this isn't an introvert or an extrovert thing. There are some people who are deeply important in my life who are incredibly interpersonal and who are introverts. So this isn't that. This is just you are intentional about being present with people when you're with them. One of the examples we have of this in scripture is Matthew. In Luke chapter five, he captures the story of Matthew throwing this big dinner party where he invited people to come. He invited his tax collector friends because before Jesus, he was a tax collector. Didn't have a great reputation. He was considered a thief. He wasn't somebody people wanted to rely on, and yet he maintained friendship with these people to invite them to dinner. And in as much as he was still friends with them, he was also friends with the disciples, and so they came, and oh, Jesus came too. He just wanted dinner with his friends. He wanted dinner with the people he was hanging out with. He wanted to have dinner with the people he was doing life with and just be authentic with them. And isn't it cool that God wires some of us just that way, that we can lean into long-lasting relationships with people and reflect God's love in that? So there's intellectual. The second, or uh, interpersonal. Second one, not intellectual yet. We'll get there. Uh, Invitational. Right? These are the people who are always inviting people to join them. They're the people that call you on the phone and they say, hey, what are you doing? Nothing. Great. Get ready. I'll be there in five minutes. Where are we going? Don't worry about it. Just come. <laughs> you got to see this. Right? People who are invitational, when they experience something or it impacts them, they are like, you have to come and experience this with me. Let's go. And you bring as many people along as you possibly can. Your contact list is huge. Your number of friends on Facebook are huge because you're always like, come and do this, come and do this, come and do this. Because you've experienced something that's transformed and changed you or impacted you, and you want everyone else to experience the exact same thing. Someone in the Bible who did that was the woman at the well. When we hear her story, she sits, and she has a conversation with Jesus and is impacted by it. And she leaves there and goes back into town and starts to tell them, but she's like, you know what? You just need to meet him too. And she goes, and these people gather, and she's like, come on, come on, come on. And she goes back with this crowd of people who end up engaging in conversations with Jesus, and they beg him, and he stays for two days so that they can sit at his feet and sit and listen and have him ask them life-changing questions. But they did that because there was a woman who was impacted and she's like, you've got to come. You've got to come and see. And so if God has wired you as someone who's invitational, saying, come with me, man, God has given you that gift. And so use it to invite people to come with you and come along on this journey that you're on so you can see them come to know Jesus. And the next is service. So if you have this gift of service where you're like, put me in, I can do it. Right, you see a need and you jump in. You're at a dinner party and there's lots of things happening and lots of conversations going on and you're like, that trash can's getting a little full. I think I'll empty the trash for them, right? Or you see the dishes piling up in the kitchen after a dinner party and you're like, I don't want them to have to do that. Can I just go and clean their dishes? Or you've had a hard conversation with a friend and they're telling you the things that are hard in their life and you show up at their door or at their office with a cup of Starbucks and their names on it. If you just wanna say, I care. Or some of you see deep needs, just practical needs in the community, and you're like, oh, this isn't right, so I want to provide food or clothing or furniture, or you hear about disasters like Florence or wildfires, like, I just have to go, I just have to give, I just have to serve. 
And sometimes it can feel behind the scenes and sometimes it's up front. But having that gift of being able to serve is huge. There's a woman whose story we hear in Acts chapter 9. Her name is Dorcas. We actually hear she has two different names that she goes by. We hear Dorcas and Tabitha. And that's unique because the town that she lived in was Joppa, which is on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea. And it's a very diverse area. People from lots of different areas come and live there. And we enter into the story. When it's captured here, we find out what's happened is she's just passed away. And the room is full of widows who are there mourning her death, mourning that she's not there yet or anymore. But they're also sharing, like, look at the clothes that she made for me. Right? Their impact and the impact that she had on them was that I see you and I see you ne- the need that you have and that you need clothes. And so I'm going to make clothes for you and give them. And it impacted them so much that they were in tears standing there before each other, thanking God for her and for the gifts that she'd given them in clothing. And it impacts some that they race and go get Peter and he raises her from the dead so she can keep doing the things she was doing. And God includes that story for us to see to see that this gift of service is so important so that other can, people can see that they are important and valued and loved and you get to express that in how you care for other people. It's amazing. Halfway down, three done, three to go. Ready? Here's the intellectual one I mentioned. Intellectual, right? Uh, people who are intellectual, you're like my husband. You love to watch the History Channel. You love to lean into documentaries. You love to understand all the intricate details of why a situation is the way it is or why something works the way it works. You're willing to engage in conversations of things that most people see as taboo that they don't want to get into. So while some people are sitting at a party and saying, tell me about their life, right? You could be sitting at a party and saying, well, what do you think about that? Why do you think that's true? Because you spend your life as a lifelong learner. You're always looking for more information so you can understand and grasp and get that really deep knowledge that's there. But not just so that you can know it, but so that you can help other people understand or experience how to make the most amazing lasagna ever. Right? You are all about teaching other people and empowering other people by sharing the truth that you know. And we need people who are like that, who understand those deep truths so we're wise about things and understand them more. The example of that that we have in scripture is Paul, right? Paul originally, as we are introduced to him, is the one who's persecuting the people who love Jesus. He's persecuting them for what they believe. He's telling them that they've got it all wrong and that they're doing it all wrong. He, know, he feels like he knows it all. And yet, after this encounter with Jesus and meeting him personally, he completely transforms. It's like, oh, I, don't, I didn't get it right. And immediately, as he continues to grow, he starts to understand and unpack for all the people he comes in contact with. Actually, this is true about God. He loves you, and he created, and he designed you, and you're important, and you need to be in a relationship with him. And because he hears all these stories and encounters Jesus in a really, really personal way, he actually unpacks for churches, through letters, and for us in scripture, the way that we need to live our lives. In Acts 17, we see him sitting with a group of philosophers that are engaging in what they say is true, and he starts to ask them questions and engage in conversation, argument, Debate, maybe, <laughs> saying, I know you think this is true, but can I tell you what I've, what's going on and what the truth is? For those of you who are intellectuals, thank you. Continue to engage in that. Continue to do that. And, and understand how much God needs that in you so that you can help unpack the truths of who he is for other people. Some of you are testimonial. That means you are great storytellers, 
right? Some of you do this. You have friends who when they tell you about the great pasta that they ate, you feel like you ate it with them because they describe the sauce in just the right way and they describe how the cheese was coming apart when they took it out of the bowl and put it on their plate or how when they spun the spaghetti on their, on their fork and they lifted it up, you could see the noodle rise up. Like you've experienced it because how they described it, right? Or they talk about a waterfall that they went to go see and how green all the grass was and the trees and the sun was coming just through the leaves just right so that it was shining on the waterfall. When you walked behind it, there was this cool mist that got on you, but you weren't wet. It was just refreshing and it was wonderful. People who are testimonial talk about this thing that they've experienced and they tell it so well, again, you feel like you were there. We need people. God's designed some of us to be testimonial people where we tell our story. We see that in John chapter 9 with the man who was blind from birth to the point where he encounters Jesus. And at that point, people are asking Jesus, why is this man blind? Is it because of what, something that his parents did? Or is it something that he did? And he's like, actually, no, it's so that God can be glorified. And he makes mud, and he puts it on the man's eyes, tells him to go and wash on the pool nearby. And the man goes and washes the mud off, and he can see. And it creates this huge turmoil in the town. Like, what happened? And how, who did this? And they, the leaders bring the man in. They're like, what, what happened here? And like, that man Jesus, he put mud on my face and I washed it off and I can see. And they're like, he can't do that. You can't heal on the Sabbath. He's a sinner. And he's like, I don't know if the man's a sinner. Here's what I know. I was blind and now I see <laughs> It's that simple. That's all I can tell you. This is what I've experienced. And they can't refute it. There's no way. They continue to argue and they continue to do it. And that's when this blind man goes from this testimonial point to the last one, which is he becomes direct. Because he just looks at them and says, you're asking lots of questions, so do you want to know him too? Right? There's a point for all of us when someone had to ask us as Christ followers, do you want to follow Jesus today? And those are the people who are direct. Those are the people who in your life who can call you out at just the right moment and say just the right thing to kind of get you out of your own head and into reality. They can get straight to the heart of the matter. They can ask a question in a room that makes the whole room go quiet because someone, some of us are going, oh, I can't believe they said that. I kind of wanted to ask that question though, but they were willing to do it. Or people gasp and take their breath going, is that true? I think it is. And transformation starts to happen because people are wired to be direct. Some of you have been wired to be direct people. And can I just say, God has put that on you so that you can be direct with people, to call them out of the places of being lost, to call them out of those places of being self-dependent, and to call them to the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for them. So we have all these different styles and we think about it in being God's masterpiece, it means that God has wired each of us with these so that other people can know him, right? And we feel like it's work. We feel like we've got to do all the work to make that happen. We feel like, well, it's, you know, you kind of feel like it's all about me. And can I just say that it's not? Mark Bechtel in his word, evangelism for the rest of us, said this. He said, God designed us with a specific purpose in mind. The reason? So that we could do what he wants us to do in the unique way then nobody else could do it. Jesus doesn't see it as work. He's saying, live your life. He's saying, do life with me 
and do life with other people. And in the ways that you're wired, you're going to naturally be sharing Jesus with other people. Right? It's not work. We can be encouraged by the words that Paul gave to Timothy in 2 Timothy when he said this. He said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Never be ashamed. Never be ashamed of him. Never be ashamed of how he's wired you. Never be ashamed to live and represent him to other people. Now, I was talking about this message with a friend of mine who uh, isn't able to be here this weekend and was kind of unpacking it. And she's like, oh, that sounds like it's going to be cool. And I'm like, oh, thanks. And then she's like, but I'm really bummed by it. Great. The one person I've told, like, the big piece of my message, and she's saying that she's bummed by it. And I'm like, okay, I have to rewrite my message after she unloads this on me. Let's go. And I'm like, all right, so tell me why. Tell me what bums you. And she told me a story. She's testimonial. Right? She said, I'm bummed by it, and here's why. She said, I have somebody who I was meeting with on a pretty regular basis as part of a group, and we would sit, and we would share lives with each other, and we would talk about things of faith and different things, and week after week after week, I was hoping that she would accept Jesus, and she didn't. And then a couple months had gone by, and I would think, okay, this is the day, and it wasn't. And I would think, this is the day, and it wasn't. And time went on, and it was almost a year had gone by that they'd been meeting together or running into each other out in the community. And again, and again, and again, it wasn't the time. And so this one day, about a year into it, she's sitting there, and she's hoping and thinking, maybe this is the day where she'll say yes. And they're having these conversations, and someone new comes to the table. And the new person's been at the table for five minutes. <laughs> And says to them in a very direct way, so do you want to accept Jesus today? And the girl's like, yeah, yeah, I do. And on the one hand, my friend was so excited because this person she'd been pouring into had accepted Jesus, and it was awesome. But she was honest and said, on the other hand, I know that I was wired to do relationship, and yet I was kind of bummed. Right? I was kind of bummed that I wasn't the one who got to seal the deal. I was bummed that I wasn't the one who asked the question. I was bummed that... That wasn't me, but it was someone else. Can I just say, sometimes we feel like that. Sometimes we feel like what we're doing isn't significant, or what we're doing doesn't matter. And can I just say that that's just a lie? Paul unpacks this when he's talking about his and Apollos' relationship with the church in Corinth, and he says this. He says, we are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. God is the one at work in people's lives. He's the one that was in work in us. And he continues to work in us and through us in the ways that he has wired us. But can I just say, there will be times where you get to be the one who asks the question. And you're going to get to be there in that moment. And you're going to get to see them nail a ribbon on the cross and it's going to be awesome. And there will be some times that you don't. But that doesn't mean that what you're doing is not significant. In the same way, while each of us feel like here's my wheelhouse, this is the way that I'm normally wired, the God that has intentionally put that in you can in the same way transform and change you and give you gifts and equip you to share in a way that you never thought you would. So that if you're interpersonal and you're all about relationship, he'll give you a chance to be direct. And if you're intellectual, then he's gonna give you a chance to be testimonial. And if you're invitational, he's gonna give you a chance to serve. Like he does that, he builds us up in that so that people can be impacted by him.
When I look at my life and my story, I can see all of these styles that were a part of my story. All of these things are different things that God used to draw me to him. Uh, growing up, I didn't go to church, um, but I was surrounded by people who did life differently than I did. And I was like, wow, why are they like that? And over time, I came to find out that they were Christ followers, and that's why they made the decisions or did or didn't do things. And it was, it was challenging to me. I had a friend who was invitational, called me on a Monday afternoon when I'm at home doing homework. What are you doing today? Homework. Do you want to do something different? Yep. <laughs> I'm going to this group tonight. I go hang out with a bunch of people, and we just kind of talk about life and different topics in life and um, different ways that we can make decisions. And we talk about the Bible sometimes. But if you'd like to come, I'll come pick you up, and we can go. And I was like, I'll do anything to get out of homework. <laughs> sure, I'll go. And so I went. And I got to start hearing about people who are doing life with Jesus for the, for the first time. Uh, service. I, I do love to serve people and be a part of that. I signed up for all those service clubs at school. So I did Junior Civitan and NHS and all that stuff. And when I went, there were people who went and their only reason for being there was to check a box or to get a grade or to get points. Um, but there were other people who always leaned in and went the extra mile. They looked people in the face and had conversations with them and valued them. Or they did things that other people weren't willing to do just because there were things that needed to get done. And I was always challenged by them to come to find out that they knew Jesus and they knew how to serve as they reflected him. There are people who were intellectual. I had been invited to a camp conference thing where we were gone out of town for a couple days and the fourth day of that conference, I had been hearing about Jesus for the first time and all this stuff is spinning in my head because this whole God thing is new and I'm like, what is going on? And that afternoon, sitting in my hotel room, I had a friend who sat with me for three hours <laughs> answering all the questions that I could come up with as to why this wasn't a good idea or what I didn't understand or this whole concept, the belief that I had at that point, like if I accepted Jesus, that I could never sin again. Oh uh, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> but that was one of those things that I thought, and my friend was compassionate enough and intellectually wired so that she could sit and listen and gracefully share answers with me. Not too long after that, I had a friend who walked in and was like, what are you doing? She's asking me questions about Jesus. She comes in, she's like, I know him. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, you know this God guy? And so she starts to unpack for me her story. But then she flips to someone who's direct and says, are you going to ask Jesus in your heart today? And at that point, sitting there, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but all these things were compelling to me. So that, that night, as a 17-year-old in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, <laughs> That night I said yes to Jesus. Jesus has had me doing life with lots of different people in my school, in my neighborhood, places that were unexpected where I just saw him at work in so many different ways. And it was a part of my story of me coming to know Jesus. But in growing in my relationship with him, here's the thing that I found. All of these different evangelism styles really just reflect who Jesus is. Because he was all of them. Jesus is interpersonal. He left heaven to come and do life with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us, and he desires to do life with us now and for forevermore. God is the picture of interpersonal. He is the picture of invitational. Come and follow me. Come and do life with me now and forevermore. Come and come and I'll make you fishers of men. We'll get to have more people come with us. Come on, come on, come on. No one's excluded. 
If there was ever a picture of service, Jesus is it. So he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He's intellectual because he has abilities to ask questions of us and make us go, oh, he really is who he says he is. He's testimonial. He talks about how he is sent by the Father and he has ultimate dependence on him. And he is incredibly direct. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life and there is no one, there's no way to the Father except through me. And he says to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's the Jesus I know. The Jesus who is all of those things. And he has wired me in such a way that I can share Jesus with other people. And he's wired each of you in ways that you can share Jesus with other people. All of those. So what does that look like for you? What does that look like for all of us? Can I say that we each have examples of these ways to be interpersonal, invitational, service-oriented, direct, interpersonal, whatever the other ones are on there that I forgot. And some of us are sitting there right now, we're like, I don't even know. I don't even know exactly how I'm wired. And can I just say that that's okay? Because I didn't know it either. It took some time for me to begin to understand that. But I don't know if you realize in the course of me sharing that I was doing hand motions with all of them. And it wasn't just so that you can kind of have them stick. It was because I wanted to see a picture in our church family what God's put together. This masterpiece of Salem Alliance, how has he wired each of us to be able to share Jesus with each other and other people? So I want you to look at the list and see the one that's kind of your wheelhouse. You may have more than one, and I get that because as we reflect Jesus, we we'll, could be more than one, and we'll probably be more than one. But what's the one you're like, this one's really comfortable for me? Not the one that's like, no way. Right, but do you see it? Okay, here's the motions, just so you know. Interpersonal, we do life with each other. Invitational, come and follow me. Uh, serve, put me in. Intellectual, let me share with you what I know. Testimonial, let me tell you what I've experienced. Direct, do you know Jesus? I don't know. We're all one of them. So ready? You guys are gonna do the hand motions with me. Ready? On your mark, get set, go. Okay, I want you to look around. Look at the people on your row and find out what is it that they're like? What do they do? How is it different than what you have? And see how God's wired and put us all together. Isn't it cool? I heard somebody going like, oh, I had no idea you were like that. Right? There's something about seeing this masterpiece of Salem Alliance. Right? He's put all of us in these places. In this place as a church to serve in lots of different ways. Here, in the community, and around the world. But he also puts us individually in places where we get to just live life with other people. But through God's eyes, through his lens, it's not just... When he pictures an evangelist, he sees you. He sees you wired the way he made you. He sees you in relationship with him so that you can reflect him to others so that they can join in and see how they're wired and so on and so on and so on. And you know how we know that's true? 
Because Jesus started spending time with just 12 people. And look at us here. And think of people all around the globe who are worshiping the same God who loves us so much and gave his life for us. He's the one who invites us into a relationship with him. And he is the one who has wired you to share him with other people too. Let's pray. Jesus, I feel like our first response needs to be just to thank you. Thank you for the ways that we're wired. Thank you for the ways that you created us. Thank you for the places that you put us. Will you help us continue to understand just what that means? <laughs> will you help us to maybe if we don't know what we're wired, like will you help us to ask friends or take a personality test or a spiritual gift assessment or something? Will you help us to understand that more? Will you help all of us to understand how it is that you've made us and how intentional that was? God, you help us to learn to speak, to share our stories, or to share the ways that you've wired us, or just to share the truth of who you are with other people. And we could just ask you to continue to show us, God, who is it that you want us to be like you with? The people in our neighborhood, the people in this community, maybe even somewhere else around the world. Because Jesus, we know if we're doing a relationship with you, we just need to be authentic. So help us to be authentic. And in that, we trust you with a geography. <laughs> we trust you to take us to the places that you want us to go to be able to be light there. So we are grateful, thankful that you called us and thankful that you invite us to work with you to see others come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon. And we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.